Welcome to the XC's Top 5 Podcast for the first week in February. My name is Michael Doyle, and I am joined, as always, by Andrew Crookshank. Andrew, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm all right. A little, a little under the weather. Got a little bit of a cold, but I'm, I'm surviving. Everyone I'm, listening is just like taking a, a step back. It's not coronavirus, I swear. At least, well, I haven't been tested yet. Too but. soon. Too soon. <laughs> coronavirus jokes. Uh, and Alex here. Alex is doing well. We're recording this on, on Monday. Uh, pod should be out at any point this afternoon. We're recording it Monday morning, uh, day after the Super Bowl. Alex, did you consume Super Bowlness? Like, kind of. Uh, we don't have cable at the house, so I kind of had to watch it through the internet, which is pretty effective now. Um, before the Super Bowl, though, my friend showed me this website called Big Game Bot, which is what you want to use if you're somewhere where everyone else is a football fan and you don't really know football, but you want to have the right thing to say. So basically, <laughs> it's like an algorithm. And here I have it out here and I'll click it once. So you generate a phrase when people are looking at you. So, for ah. example, here's one. How about that defense last quarter? Let's go, boys. Here's another one. It's pretty generic. Totally insane <laughs> sweep. Hell yeah. That's a type of play, offensive play in football. <laughs> Be a bit awkward if it wasn't a sweep. Are you just like right? flexing your football knowledge on us now? <laughs> I feel like a lot of these could be used for any sport so far. Yeah. Get out of here with that attempt. Hell yeah. Ridiculous <laughs> blast. They need to fire Reed. Oh, they put a name in there. Reed oh, Andy Reed. Reed, the coach of the winning team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I feel like we could make like a, a, a much stronger... Uh, running algorithm running one. algorithm for like the london marathon or the uh, olympic track events or something like that where it's like kipchoge is unbeatable says lord sebastian Coe. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so we've got uh five topics to go through this week um and we're gonna start off with uh the all-consuming controversy uh topic number one andrew World Athletics uh, have come down with their decision, their edict about the shoes. What is the decision? Yeah, we finally got our ruling. Uh, we, I don't think anyone was quite sure what was going to happen. It actually seems, I mean, from my perspective, quite reasonable. Um, what uh, what they're kind of saying is that the sole can't be thicker than 40 millimeters, um, which which means shoes like the next percent still fit in there. Um, something like the Alpha Fly, though, I think is a little bit too thick, so so it would be banned. Um, it also, the shoes can't contain more than one carbon plate. Uh, it says with the exception of spikes, but apparently the second plate would only be for attaching spikes to the right. sole. Uh, as well as it must be out, the shoe must be on the market, like publicly available four months before a race in order for it to be allowed. So Alex, um, world athletics have, they're trying to like clean up the mess here, right? They're trying to, uh, they're trying to get control back over their sport going into an Olympic year. Uh, what do you think about the rules that have been put in place, the the modification of this rule, uh, particularly when we're looking at uh, stack height or like that that forty millimeter amount of midsole foam that you're allowed to use. Yeah, well, now I think it's just extra regulation. Now the companies are going to try to have to play within that new uh, that new field. Um, but um, one thing that they kind of overlooked is the, the the type of foam 
um, that is actually allowed to be used. So right. it seems like right now the the leading type of foam is the PBAX foam that the Vaporfly uses. Right. And now some other shoes are coming out and they're naming their foams differently and the foams are actually a bit of a different compound. So now I'm guessing the way to get ahead is to stay within the confines of that 40 millimeters but come out with just a better foam, right? Right. So, and and I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm no expert in that, so I don't know how much room there is to improve on the PBAX foam already. But I think that's what we're going to be looking at now. Like your, when the Alpha Fly came out, the game kind of became what could be the the biggest stack height that you could actually have your shoe in. And again, I think we mentioned this last week. We figured when Jared Ward mentioned that there'd be like a point of diminishing returns, you'd stack your shoe higher and higher, and at some point it'd be too high. But <laughs> yeah. now the game is not this, the the optimal stack height. The game is the optimal foam. Right. So Andrew, real quick, um, as we sort of beat around the bush to the, this it seems like it's a, a rule set that's tailored to allow all the pre existing records and performances that thousands of people have uh, have uh, accomplished wearing, for the most part, the Vaporfly four percent and next percent, which is the second generation of that Nike shoe. Uh, this rule set is you know obviously like it's almost like it was, it was written around those shoes to to allow them um and but the shoe that Aliya Kipchoge wore for the sub two hour marathon in Vienna uh late last year is the alpha fly they call it uh which is a prototype shoe is now out yeah yeah it, it almost seems like world athletics is is trying to be as it's a, it's a bit of a political move, it seems like, because mm. they don't want to upset Nike too much. So they're letting the next percent slide um, because obviously Nike is a, a huge player in the in the athletics world. But they also are kind of asserting their dominance and saying, hey, you know, you can have the, your next percents, but we're going to put a limit on you because we're still in charge here and we're going to ban the alpha flies. Uh, and as we, we were kind of talking about earlier, it almost seemed like world athletics maybe wasn't too happy with the whole Kipchoge sub two hour marathon thing because it wasn't run through them. Um, so maybe this is kind of their way of saying, hey, stop that. We're still in charge here. Right. And we'll see if that actually sticks. Yeah. But for now, it seems like it was this, uh, it's like a truce between Nike and the governing body of the sport to say like, all right, we can all agree that we'll keep these shoes in, but moving forward, don't try any like tricky business. And we'll talk about that next because that's topic number two. Alex, now that this ruling has come down and we've got the Olympics coming up in several months, uh, what is next for all of these shoe companies now that we have a, a baseline understanding of, of, of how uh, the rules of the game when it comes to designing shoes? So we now have a bit of a timeline heading into the Olympics. So any new shoe technology that's developed after April 30th will have to be available to the open market, whatever that means, for four months before an athlete can use it in competition. So essentially what that means is you can't have a new, let's say example, Saucony comes out with a new shoe or even Nike comes with it comes up with a new version of their Vaporfly. If they want to see that shoe at the Olympics, it has to be out in the public before or by April 30th. The April 30th timeline is given... Uh, because it's sort of backtracking that four months before the Olympics, ish. I mean, more or less. Essentially, yeah, more or less. It's a it's a bit more. Um, it's about three and a half months before the Olympics. And then, obviously, Andrew, any of the shoes that come out um, before April thirtieth are not subject to this four month uh, incubation public 
accessibility uh, 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 period that's needed. No, yeah, um, I, yeah, we were talking about that earlier because we were trying to figure out the rule as to whether, like, with the um, the U.S. Uh, Olympic marathon trials coming up on February 29th, how that's going to work. But it seems like any shoe that's been out for whatever period of time will be able to be used there. So the the next percents and that kind of stuff will, I'm sure we'll see them there. But um, we won't see any alpha flies there now at this stage. That's my understanding. Yeah, like, the I alpha think- fly is out so that like Galen Rupp or Jordan Hasse, whatever the top nike athletes that are going into the u.s olympic trials will not be able to wear any secret uh prototypey shoes yeah yeah it looks like it's going to have to be totally available but as we were talking earlier like what what does this kind of mean like can they release a thousand pairs and just put them online and Mm. or distribute them to a few people or or what does a, a full publicly available release mean yeah what does publicly available mean alex it's like um the analogy that immediately came to mind for me because it's Oscar season is that, you know, uh, films are in, in the movie industry, films have to be, to be applicable for, to win an Oscar. They need to be released to the public by a certain date in a certain number of theaters in a certain number of cities. And so they do this sort of like, you know, we've all seen the ad where it's like, you know, coming December 31st in New York, uh, LA, Toronto and selects th- theaters and then, you know, going nationwide January 8th or whatever. And the reason why they do that is to get under the, the cutoff time to be eligible for that upcoming year's Oscars. So is this a thing that we're going to see? We're going to be like, you know, 500 pairs of the Nike alpha fly will suddenly be- become available on like April 29th or whatever. And, you know, they'll be, spread across the world so they can claim that they were widely available to consumers, but there'll only be a limited number of pairs. I don't know. I'm curious yeah, to see if that'll happen. Probably. I mean, what we got to remember right now is the ruling only came out, I think four or five days ago. So now I think there's going to be some kind of reply from companies and, and you'll see some shoes come out in March and April. Right now it's already started, right? So um, the Brooks uh, Hyperion, I know Wired had a, a bit of a story on it. Uh, uh-huh almost seemed like propaganda more than anything yeah it was kind of almost like a pr uh, yeah. story but whatever but um, they did really they did uh, uh reveal that it'd be released on the 27th of february so that's one coming out i know new balance has a fuel cell the fuel cell tc coming out on april 1st you seem to think that it wasn't going to be their alpha shoe um but no. some kind of carbon new shoe that's coming out but we're still waiting on their their main shoe the saucony endorphin uh is is uh, set to come out i think the summertime. Do we have in the summertime? So I wonder if they're going to try to rush to go They'll have to to beat the time. Yeah, and then we haven't heard anything from Adidas. I don't think we haven't, but we've seen that shoe. There is a shoe. They have a shoe. We've seen it. It's been all over the place in recent races. Yeah, it'd be um, crazy to think it wouldn't come out before the thirtieth of April. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes. I want to know what what the back dealing was with, if there was any, with World Athletics about this beforehand. Where you know, they, did they go to the companies and say? Okay, we're going to put an April 30th cap on this. Can you mass produce, at least limited produce your shoe in advance of this to get under the wire so you can use it in the Olympics? And here are our parameters. It has to be under 40 millimeters, blah, 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 blah. I wonder if Adidas has been, you know, uh, were invited to the table to have that conversation or not. Uh, And I'd be really curious to see if a company like Nike does a thing that would be a very Nike thing to do, which is they're kind of like the gamesmanship where they're like, okay, here's the rules of the game. Now we're going to modify the rules of the game. So we're going to come out with a variant of the alpha fly. That's even better than the next percent. Cause we're not going to get pushed off this uh, innovation cycle and sales cycle that they've got going with this shoe. 
and we're going to come out with the shoe real quick and we're going to do a cool like sneakerhead limited release it's like 500 pairs seated around the world it's going to be this like total fire moment for them and that'll be the shoe that all of their you know kipchoge and, and company will be wearing uh coming up i wonder if that will happen but back to what we're saying we they have very, very uh, small confines to improve what they already have. They can barely improve the stack height that they have. So it'd have to be a f- weird foam. You go right up to 40%, uh, 40 millimeters. 40 millimeters, because so they're at 36 mil-ish right now. At the, the next percent's at 36 mil. Yeah. Give or take, yeah. yeah. It also makes you wonder with, um, we were kind of talking about this earlier, about uh, with the issues. I mean, I joked about it earlier, the, the coronavirus, but with China, um, if stuff, mm. if borders are getting shut down, like if they're not able to import stuff into the States as they close down flights to countries like uh, America, Britain, Australia, I think now has, has their borders closed to, to Chinese flights. What does that mean for kind of producing the shoe and shipping it? And Absolutely. Very yeah. real, real consequences to that. I mean, obviously it's in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about human life and a potential pandemic, it's uh, a very minor thing, but definitely um, sort of the, the wide reaching impact uh of this uh, of this situation in China, and that leads us to wait. We have a conspiracy. We do. We have a conspiracy. Asics has <laughs> the Asics. We're beating the, the Asics, Asics conspiracy, conspiracy drama. Guess used for week two. Asics has in fact engineered the coronavirus to slow carbon fiber plate shoe production to make sure that the male and female winners of the Tokyo Marathon are dressed in Asics gel Cumulus Twelves. It's that gel. <laughs> I uh, I'm not even going to respond to that. That's terrible. That's terrible. I don't condone that take. That conspiratorial take. I do not condone that. Next topic. Uh, topic number three. And speaking of China, um, Alex, there was a major a major uh, international game uh, competition that was supposed to take place in China. And what happened? Yeah, unfortunately. So the World Athletics Indoor Championship uh, between March 13th and 15th was unfortunately postponed. And it was postponed by a full year. So we don't have a date for... for um, it doesn't really have a new date other than March 2021. So surely the athletes who have uh, qualified, at least in Canada, now I think will have to go through the qualification process again and try to make that team again next year. Uh, definitely a source of frustration for some athletes. It was something that perhaps needed to be done. And um, as a side, I spoke with Julianne Stolle. We have a podcast coming out, and Stolle is uh, a former runner at Queen's University in, in Canada, now trains out of London in Canada, and she just run a really fast uh, 3K time. It was a big indoor PB for her, uh, 8.47. She had qualified for that championship, and then unfortunately she got the news, and she's one of many who will have to... Uh, try to vie for that team once again next year. So unfortunate, but uh, perhaps necessary news. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how this is going to affect the spring marathon. I mean, I know that the marathon seasons are a little bit different in China. I'm not sure exactly how many events will get affected by this, uh, Andrew, but obviously this is a really significant move and, you know, pretty serious, shift in the whole schedule throwing off probably quite a few athletes plans in terms of like peaking for obviously indoor and then going back into training for uh, going after the olympics yeah definitely i and maybe this is a bit of a hot take too but I, i've always been a little 
confused maybe by World Indoors. It's one of those events that seems to kind of skate by unnoticed. Um, I, I obviously it's it's unfortunate that it's being postponed and, and it's not going to happen. It's terrible for the athletes who have qualified and and are we're going to compete, but. Um, it's one of those ones that I, I've always found. I don't know about you guys, but it, it seems to happen, and I see the results afterwards rather than kind of knowing it's coming up. And maybe right. that's yeah, just because I've never had that much association with it. It's never like I've been in contention to qualify or anything like that. But um, yeah, it, it seems like it's such a it is a major event, but it's one of those ones that always seems to go kind of unnoticed when it happens. Yeah, I I, I think it's one of these events that it gets a because there are sort of screwy distances by comparison, they're not the uh, typically the Olympic distances and um, you know, certain athletes I think just totally skip it altogether. So it creates opportunities for other emerging athletes um, to gain some international experience and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's uh, it's definitely disappointing. Um, Obviously, you know, the right call uh, and slotting it to next year. That's interesting. fourth topic Andrew there was a an interesting in-depth article on uh, on outside outside magazines website uh, over the last week about everyone's favorite message board tell us a little bit about that yeah let's run um, has finally been called out it's uh, <laughs> it's funny to think I, I mean here we are three white guys sitting in a room but um it is very much so let's run has always been seen kind of as as a bit more right wing it's a lot of men on the forum um kind of male white runners who who talk on the forum and it's always had issues with kind of racism and and misogyny in particular where um especially there's been message boards where where female athletes are just critiqued on their looks and um, their appearances and their their uh, performances and and kind of slandered to a certain degree. Some of the stuff like, you know, comments on their body and what they wear, that kind of stuff. And so outside, finally, they got in touch with the, the founders of Let's Run. And Let's Run is going to attempt to make some changes in the coming year to try and regulate this a little bit. But my understanding from the story is that... Um, instead of being able to have as many anonymous profiles as you want, Let's Run is now going to limit it to you're allowed one fake identity per thread per week. So you get your you get your angry rant out for the week and then uh, you, you post with another anonymous username the next week. Um, apparently the, the co-founders can still see the IP addresses, so that's visible to them, but it doesn't really sound like there's going to be a whole lot of crack down on this like there's still the opportunity to be anonymous and and go after people yeah alex i should say that this piece was written a couple of weeks ago now uh by martin fritz huber who's at a who's a uh I, I believe a staff writer outside and does a lot of the uh endurance sports coverage and does a really good job with it um and some juicy morsels in this piece like for example uh he he points out that um, it's that someone on on the board itself referred to Let's Run as the four chan uh, of of running websites. Um, you know, four chan and eight chan, obviously being like the uh, the the creepy, trolly uh, alt right cesspools uh, cesspool of the internet. Um, and so, like in many respects, Let's Run is kind of that to a certain degree. Um, although, I guess the 
the libertarian would argue that like let's run is one of the last uh totally free zones of discourse about running uh and where people can you know call it how it really is but uh, you know obviously that enters to the realm you know that 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 tarries into the realm of total cruelty when you're dealing with the situation with with mary kane for example um what what are your thoughts on uh, on the state of Let's Run? Are you do you post on Let's Run? I don't post on Let's Run. Really? I, I, I'm surprised I to hear that. Run. Yeah, actually. no. I feel like if I post, it just kind of gets lost in the noise, so I don't really bother. Unless something I've posted on Let's Run before, unless something really really hits me, and I feel like I have to say something. But even then, I, it's not very often I post on Let's Run. It's a tough situation. Um, I think an ideal scenario for a for a forum is to have moderators reading everything and removing things that are completely defamatory and don't really have a place on that. Okay. The problem is it's, it, it depends what you, it depends where you draw the line. So for example, if you make it um, a bit of a comparison with the Canadian version of let's run, which is tracky, that's two stories come out that were pretty contentious in the last, I guess, year or six mm-hmm. months. One of them concerned university of or the Ottawa Alliance, and one of them concerned, uh, Guelph, and the first story that came out is with Ottawa, and Ottawa Lions are a large track club in the city of Ottawa, mm-hmm. uh, which is Canada's capital. Just to get a little context right, for anyone who's right. not playing along with the the CanCon element of this podcast. Um, so, and describe the 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 controversy around that conversation. Right. So um, there were or lack of actually. Against, yeah. Well, uh, allegations against uh, two long-standing coaches at the at um, at the Lions Track Club, and um, on the forum, I think this that forum went pretty much unmoderated, and you had some people who had some things to contribute, and, and you know, some things were were pretty contentious, and 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 sometimes there were most of the time there was no moderation. Then you go to the thread about Guelph and Coach Dave Scott Thomas. Um, the moderators seem to take a very different approach. Every time there was a, bit, a contentious issue. Um, they times. seized on it very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was a lot of deletion. And in fact, the thread, the entire thread was taken down at one point until they were... And then they remade the, the thread. Heavily yeah. criticized and then allowed it to go. So then it got people to think, you know, perhaps the moderators know something we don't. Perhaps there's some bias somewhere and that created a new version of issues. So it's a difficult situation because it's it's not easy to know how much to moderate it's not easy to know where to draw the line i think it's kind of weird that they actually came with some sort of formula of like you can make one you can make one shit post was it a day or a week one one bad post a day one anonymous post oh a day. yeah it was there per week yeah you can you per can week. create one like anonymous user profile per week and it's you essentially can post once per uh I think you can post as much as you want with that anonymous user, but you just can't have more than one username. So it's the, it's okay. the trolls who go on there and make like five usernames and just attack people with yeah. all of the usernames. There's a quote here uh, in the in the outside piece about um, from uh, one of the, the co-founders, uh, Robert Johnson, who goes by Rojo, uh, um, who was interviewed for this piece. And he said, there will be some thread and I'll be like, I can't believe all these people uh, think like this. And then you look at it, and it's the same person posting under eight different names. Uh, there's a term for that. I think it's called astroturfing. And in parentheses, the, the author of the piece explains that a poster that poster's IP addresses, uh, which is your sort of unique identifier as to who you are on the internet, 
uh, are able to be seen by by the Let's Run administrators. So they, to a certain degree, will be able to moderate and have been able to moderate and have decided to implement this like weird rule. So you can essentially saying like, hey, you want to be the worst version of yourself? You want to be a, a, a terrible human being? What, you get to be that once a week <laughs> in, a, with one, uh, in one anonymous way, which is just sort of, to me, doesn't really move you know change things or curb behavior all that much um yeah i think we should point out uh some of their defenses as well i, th- I think it was robert johnson the the co-founder as you mentioned who was who came up with these defenses and his thing was that uh since 2000 when it was founded the sites had about 10 million posts on their forum so he he's claiming that it's impossible for their small team to kind of moderate all of these posts unless it's it's forwarders a complaint um, and then his his other defense, which is a little ridiculous, but uh, against the kind of racism and misogynism is that um, he claims that most of the people who have been bashed the worst historically on the, the forum are white men. And he pointed to, to Galen Rupp as an example. And apparently it was his brother, his co-founder, got reamed out at a meet by... Um, Alberto Salazar, uh, who was obviously Rob's coach, yeah, and uh, Vin Lanana, who was the um, athletic director of the University of Oregon, uh, and they just tore him apart about how Galen was being treated online. And then I think they put in filters after that, so like the words Galen and gay couldn't be used in the same sentence or something like that. So. Oh man, what a just an awful thing to even think about that somebody would have to to deal with that. Um, but so. My pushback on all of this is the is the following, not pushback, but my commentary on that is um, if you're going to start a business and you're claiming that you couldn't possibly run the business the way it should probably be run because it's just like too unwieldy for you to get your arms around that business, maybe you shouldn't be running the business. But also <laughs> you may not real you may not know how big it's going to get. Sure, but I mean, at a certain point, if your boards, you can't control, if you can't control your product or service or platform, uh, like, is this a good enough excuse for Facebook? It's not. It's the same, it's the same argument that's going on with Facebook, right? Is Facebook, does Facebook have a responsibility to monitor and gatekeep truth versus uh, uh, manipulation, lies, fiction, uh, particularly when you're dealing with something like presidential elections do they have a responsibility to that i don't know i can't answer that but that's the exact same question that the the uh the johnson brothers and let's run are facing right do they have a responsibility to their community to the running community to get their arms around this and and are they actually the people that should be moderating this i don't know i don't know if they actually have the intellectual capacity to moderate something like this if they have the sensitivity to moderate something like this they haven't in the past that's for sure um and i don't know this should this be a moderated uh territory i'm not sure either further thirty thousand foot view of all of this that i have is why the fuck do we have message boards still <laughs> it does feel a little outdated yeah <laughs> and i so my answer to that rhetorical question is because there's no real media in running, that's why we have message boards. If there was real media in running, these conversations would just be taken to Twitter. They'd be social media-based conversations, and it would be, and it would they would for the most part be based on the coverage that real running media, unbiased, unaffected by sponsorship, unaffected by advertising dollars, 
uh, by trying to tell the fucking positive story all the time and nothing else. We would not have a need for this like kind of like at times pretty ugly dark corner of the internet in the form of good old school message boards, which are for the most part filled with like weird conspiratorial bullshit, right? But here and there, the sense is that in those threads, there might be little pieces of the truth, right? And also with that is a whole lot of ugliness. So, yeah, it's I think it's we're in a messy situation. We're in a complex time in track and field and in running in that in that regard. There's my soapbox pontification for I think this getting, episode. Getting rid of let's run would create would wreak major havoc in the running world. I think those astroturfers that you mentioned would burn poor Rojo and Ouijo's house down. <laughs> No, they wouldn't because they're fucking cowards. <laughs> that's, why that's why they hide behind anonymity, right? Yeah, because I think that's what happened with 4chan and 8chan, wasn't it? That they, they eventually shut those sites down and then I think they've, they've... It has quelled it a little bit, but I yeah. think they've been trying to find other routes now. Those same alt-right people find other... Just Reddit. find alternatives. Like Reddit. Reddit has stood the test of time. Yeah, I mean, I think... And it's like a... To, back to the... To the difference between the Canadian version of, of let's run tracky and the, and let's run. Um, whereas there was a lot of censorship going on in the Canadian version. Uh, you know, the main concern was, is that there was disinformation, that there were lies and that there was, uh, uh, you know, slander and libelous behavior taking place. Um, and so there was perhaps some elements of truth, perhaps, uh, some, you know, people, making big guesses and being wrong or purposefully being wrong and trading in misinformation uh, for nefarious, uh, you know, motivated nefariously. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how you manage that. I don't know. Like the, the truth is important. Uh, I think you take someone like Galen Rupp in the Galen Rupp situation, you know, on the one hand, I think it's awful that a human being gets totally destroyed and wrongfully so and too heavily criticized but the flip side is is he's a professional athlete accepting hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year to be a professional athlete probably not millions but maybe more than a million and i think that fans of the short sport should be allowed to be critical of him in a public forum right mm -hmm. and you talk to a lot of these these athletes like the reps and the real superstars of the sport there is such a thing and when people ask them, because that's a common question in interviews, like, have you been following this Let's Run thread about yourself? And they just usually laugh it off and say, no, I haven't been on Let's Run since high school. They know better. They, they, they're beyond that. Sure. Duty is to run. It's still hurtful, but I'm sure a lot of them don't even see it. Who do you think, in, in closing this for now, it's like a, such a, this is a topic that you could have like a, an hour long conversation on, on its own. In closing this topic, Andrew, uh, Kevin Durant is the NBA basketball player. Uh, famously lurks on on like on Twitter on NBA Twitter and has like burner <laughs> accounts where he's where he like gets in arguments and now he's actually using his own account. Like there was this crazy back and forth between him and an, a former player and analyst uh, about you know his legacy and about whether or not he's a you know a, a coward for having played with the uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors in order to win championships. Um, Who's the who's the Ke who's the Kevin Durant of the the track and field and running world? Who's got the burner account? Who's like oh. who's hiding behind like you know? Uh, who's got the little the like the the Let's Run account that and they're like they're just like <laughs> shit talking everyone. They're like 
I'm actually the greatest athlete, blah, 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 blah. Who's like, who's doing that? It's not Galen uh, Rupp, I don't think. I think it's got to be, I, I would put a vote in for Nick Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Alex, you told me a story about how he gets in Twitter wars with, with your buddies. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he'll make like, he'll get into a Twitter war with a guy with like 80 followers. And then his responses would always be like, Hey bud, you only have 80 followers. And <laughs> that would kind of be the extent of his, of his, of his reply. And you'd be like, yeah, but you're fighting with me. So <laughs> yeah. I win. Cause I only have 80 followers yeah. and you're like taking umbrage with what I'm saying. And then 80 follower guy makes it up to a hundred, then chirps him again the next week. And yeah, yeah. Nick Simmons is a good one. People um, are just building brands off Nick Simmons, eh? Just I, getting in fights with him. But I, I don't think I'm that sure this guy chews run gum too. That's <laughs> the worst part. I don't think that Nick Simmons would would hide behind an alias on unless run. I, I'd have no. to do a little bit of a little uh, uh, internet forensics here to figure out if he's actually ever posted on Let's Run. He strikes me as someone who probably would have. Yeah, um, he would have called himself like uh, what, what? What would his handle? What would his Let's Run handle be? It would be like. Um, Something about bison. He like calls himself the bison. Kind of looks like a bison. The run gum bison. Yeah. Run gum yeah. nomad bison. Buy, it would be like Nick says buy run gum, and and then like his whatever bison is bison run gum. Whatever is gum. like whatever is his PR is at the end. Uh, like Nick says buy run gum one forty two or something. <laughs> <laughs> so who's who's your Alex? Who's your uh, who's your let's run? Uh, uh, who's your lurking superstar? Who's uh, Who's get, who's picking picking fights with with grade eight kids and let's run? I think um, I was going to say Centro, <laughs> but that's almost too easy. So just because of the way he looks, uh, Ben Blankenship, um, I can picture like Blankenship in his basement, like unshaven for three days with his long hair, eating Cheerios and just like making replies and like getting into into wars and i don't know him personally so i feel kind of bad but it, i don't know as soon as you said it that's kind of the picture that came in my head like wearing a bandana yeah yeah blank and chip i can see like bekele behind the keyboard just like <laughs> why though 4 a.m and adis he's sitting in there he just did a huge workout he gets on the boards and he's scanning through and he's like kipchoge he's gonna crush me in london oh no no i don't think so and he logs in and he's like, uh, you know, uh, his, his like handle is like uh, track world, like track world record holder. 5K, 10K <laughs> goat. 5K, 10K goat. I think he could actually get away if he just had his name as Bekele. I don't think people would we, still people think wouldn't it's believe it. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Or like Bekele, Bekele super fan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, topic number five. Last one of the day. Uh, as we sometimes do, we tuck a little CanCon because we're all Canadian here. And probably most of our listeners are Canadian as well. So we, we've, gotta, we've, gotta, uh, we've got to talk very briefly about, Alex, the insane run of high-quality performances by uh, Canadian women in the distance running uh, world. We had another... Canadian record set broken. I guess it's broken and set in the same moment uh, in the last few days. Tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah. It's come to the point now where a new Canadian record gets broken and we're just like, Oh, nice. Cause it happens so often. So little backstory, uh, Natasha Wodak 
broke the Canadian half marathon record, 69.41. She was the first Canadian woman under 70. This happened last week, two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago. It was in two Houston. Weeks ago. We talked about it. Yes. We talked yeah. about it. Yeah, we had that yeah. in the pod. I took some heat for ranking uh, Rory Linkletter's half marathon uh, uh, performance over hers. And rightfully so. Because it was <laughs> a Canadian record. But, ha, here you go. It's not a Canadian record anymore. It sort of looks like Rory Linkletter's performance, which was the second fastest of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have Andre and I. They, well played. My, Michael told me that I had a French accent when I said this, so I'll try not to sound. French. No, no, I'm not picking on your French accent. You are a. Are you a na- you're a native French speaking? I'm a native French speaker. You're an Acadian. And on that note, Andrea Secafian from uh, well from Canada, but now she's training out of Australia. Broke the Canadian half marathon record, Wodak's previous record, by three seconds. So her new mark. 6938 ran it in Marugame, Japan. And uh yeah, now I'm super excited to see what Sekafian does when she moves up to the marathon because she's 29. When she moves up to the marathon. <laughs> well, sorry I mean, Andrea, we've just signed you up for a marathon, the uh 2021 uh Rotterdam Marathon is waiting for you. We've, they've got a bib for you. Yeah, I courtesy mean, of Alex Sear. Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean it would be it it'd be awful if if we didn't get to see this through because she's she's twenty nine. To put that in perspective, that's ten years younger than Melinda Elmore, who currently has the national marathon record two twenty four. So oh my god, like she she's got ten years to get even faster. I think um, I think that's really good for Canadian running. The thing with Elmore is that sure she breaks the Canadian marathon record, but you know for how many more years will she be able to chop down that record? How often are we going to see the record go down? With Sekafian, there's like 10 plus possible years of, of chasing that sub 224 and eventually get as close to 220 as possible. But but for now, 69.38, great run. Andrew, tell us a little bit about Andrea Sekafian. So I just, Andrea, if, if you're listening or friends of Andrea, uh, apologies. I actually don't know how to pronounce her last name properly. And I have spoken to Andrea a number of times over the years. So I, I say Sekafian. That's the emphasis, perhaps, on the wrong syllable. I'm not sure. Uh, Andrew, you you have Just suspicion say that it's syllable. I've always heard Andrea Sacafine, but Sacafine, you know, yeah, and, yeah, it's close, so. similar. <laughs> I will um, send Andrea a message and ask her like to phonetically spell it her name so I can get it right from here on in. Because I, I suspect be we'll be talking about her more in the near future. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, uh, the marathon would seem like a good place for her, but she's still PBing over. 5k i'm pretty sure like 5000 she was at uh world championships in the in the 5000 this past summer and she did quite well i think uh is my understanding she's running what under she's running under 15 minutes now i believe um yeah she uh she trains out in in australia uh used to train she went to the university of guelph and i believe won cis cross country and maybe a couple uh, track titles as well so she she's always been a, a an impressive runner but um yeah this this half marathon seems like she's she's very fit and taking it kind of to the next level uh it's yeah still a big jump up to the marathon and i'm sure she's she's probably more focused on the the 5000 come this summer with the olympics but we'll see that's uh that's an impressive time yeah i mean i i i suspect that she will be uh going for probably 5k 10k double in the olympics i'm guessing kind of going the the mo ahmed route of uh, approaching things another great canadian distance runner who who's doubled in the five and ten thousand um and then maybe who knows what we see after that maybe we see a move to road running that would be exciting i mean obviously she did really well in the half marathon so 
uh, obviously the marathon is a, is a different animal altogether, but that's a, a great start. And, you know, I think just adds to this incredible roster of Canadian talent right now that's running at such a high level and everyone's like pushing each other to do better. I, it's, yeah, yeah, really the, exciting. The idea that she's 29 and that we're considering her young now compared to the rest of these other women that yeah. that um, there's still so much time and, and potential over these distances. I think uh, Lindsay Krauss actually wrote a, an op-ed for the the New York Times. She's the the journalist who wrote the Mary Kane story, broke uh, about Alberto Alberto Salazar, mm-hmm. uh, and she kind of wrote it because she's in that same frame of life she's like 35 years old um and was kind of talking about about how there's all these older women now uh, or i shouldn't say older women but women in their mid to late 30s now right. who historically are, have not historically i mean i think there's always been an idea that uh you, you can transition from the track and onto the roads and continue your career and have success in your 30s but i think historically the idea was that like there's going to be like perf- like gains gains will become harder and harder and then impossible uh, at a certain point. And that is still fact. Like father time is undefeated, right? Like I think at a certain age, just it's not possible to continue to go faster. Yeah. But obviously with uh, people in their late thirties pushing records into new strata, uh, that does suggest that your window for high level performance uh, at distance is, is pretty, pretty broad, pretty wide open. Well, even that, as we were talking about earlier, about the the kind of post-collegiate blues, the idea that once you graduate uh, and stop running varsity track or cross-country, that it's it's hard to stay motivated without that structure um, or that training group. And yet, here are all these women in their 30s who've, who've obviously, and some have kind of taken time off since, but are back and are training hard and, and obviously have structure and it's it's paying off. Well, congratulations to Andrea. That's an incredible performance. Second uh Canadian woman to go under 70 minutes all time and I imagine that there's going to be uh even further uh are going to be going to be many more second Canadian woman I'm just as I said that I was like yeah I suspect that Rachel Cliff will have something to say in response to all of this as well oh yeah she's running Tokyo that was the other thing that's sort of exciting in all of this um that's like should not be lost in all of this is that she's Rachel Cliff, um, from my understanding, is running Tokyo, which will be, well, I think is very smart. I think, A, it's a freebie for her. She's already got a slot in the Olympics as, as things play out right now. Oh, you think maybe not, Alex? No, I th- raise I an eyebrow. She, I think she will, but what I'm saying is we're not sure. You know? Right. No. Yeah. Yeah, there's no certainty with it. And it'd be crazy not to. Yeah. And, uh, well, unless somebody comes along and outperforms her in the next few months and takes yeah, the slot from her because her slot is only based on time right now and it's based on a time from last year. That used to be the Canadian record. So she's got basically a free shot at taking her her uh, Canadian record back in Tokyo. And it's also, I think, a nice way to... I think in many ways that the Tokyo Marathon is going to feel like a little bit of an Olympic primer, right? Not the same course, not the same city because the marathon's going to be in Sapporo. But just, I think it's going to have that Olympic vibe to it because Tokyo for sure will be, uh, I'm sure that the the Tokyo, the Olympic organizers will be at the Tokyo Marathon kind of watching on sort of best practices, stuff like that. And so it will definitely have that kind of pre-Olympic uh, charge to it. So I think it's a very smart move for Rachel Cliff to do that. 
Um, all right, guys. Well, that's our five topics for this week. Uh, make sure if you don't already subscribe, please subscribe to our newsletter. It's uh, thexc.substack.com. Uh, we send out weekly stuff, including this podcast and other other delights. Um, I think John LaFranco and I are going to do a winners and losers of this uh, uh, of this of the of the shoe wars of the of the finality for now the truce the armistice of the shoe wars <laughs> we thought it would be we usually do races but i, I thought this would be a good one um and just to you kind of hurt a shoe's feelings that's right that's right yeah <laughs> oh man um and uh yeah and also follow us on social media at dxcorg on uh, twitter instagram We've got our facebook it's uh, facebook.com slash dxcorg Until next week, gentlemen, thank you for joining me.